Okay, Genesis chapter 28 this morning. Genesis 28, and <clears throat> let's just read uh, verse 10 as we begin. Genesis 28, verse 10, it says, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, angels of God ascending and descending on it. Let's bring our time to the Lord in prayer. Lord, now we, Father, we do once again thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be together and to come and spend some time around your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help us to come with hearts that are prepared to receive your word now. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would empower me through the Spirit. <coughs> Give me wisdom and guidance as I speak, that it would be your words, it would be your thoughts this morning. And that, Lord, you would challenge us through your word, bless us, refresh us, and that, Lord, you would be honored and glorified in everything you do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when we were last in the book of Genesis, and that was a while ago, um, before I went away on holidays and then uh, been stuck at home last week, uh, it was quite a while ago, but last time we were in the book of Genesis, we looked at the start of chapter 28, and we saw, uh, if you remember, Jacob's flight uh, from his home uh, unto his uncle Laban. We saw the reason why he had to leave. Okay? We saw that this had come about because, obviously, he had upset his brother Esau okay, by going in and dressing like Esau to receive the blessing from their father. He'd up, upset Esau so much, of course, that Esau now hated him and wanted to kill him. And his mother realized that he needed to leave home for a while so that Esau could calm down, you know, that, so that his wrath could be turned away. You know, but more importantly, Jacob needed to leave home in order to find a godly wife. I mean, that was the, the main reason he had to leave home, you know, to find a godly wife. Uh, and so, you know, we saw Rebecca there talk to Isaac about that, and Isaac agreed with his wife's counsel, and and they gave instructions to Jacob that he was to leave. He was to go back to Haran in search of a wife among his cousins, Laban's daughters. And so Jacob now, as we saw, around about 77 years old at this time, he listens to his parents, he listens to their wisdom, and he sets out for Haran. And we just saw that there in verse 10. It says, and Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And so he sets out on this journey, and this is not a, a short journey. This is quite a long journey that he's now about to undertake. Um, from Beersheba to Haran was approximately 800 kilometers. And so this is quite a long journey. And it's a journey that's going to take him many weeks to complete. And according to the record here, he's traveling alone. There's, there's no one with him. There's no caravan to sustain him um, and care for him along the way. He doesn't have, you know, a big uh, group of camels going with him it seems that he doesn't even have a tent to rest in that night he's he's sleeping under the stars and there's no servants with him to protect him against bandits or to protect him from wild beasts he's he's traveling alone on this on this journey in a strange and dangerous country and on this long and dangerous journey we're told in verse 11 that he 
lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night. And we know from later on in the chapter that this place was Bethel. It was Bethel, which is about 110 kilometers from where he started. So he's been traveling a few days already when he comes upon this place and this significant event uh, takes place here. And from the words, he lighted upon a certain place, it, it almost sounds as if this happened by chance, doesn't it? You know, he, he lighted upon a certain place, that it just happened by chance. But you know, we know that God uh, doesn't lead his people by chance, does he? God doesn't lead his people by chance. And so Jacob is exactly where God wanted him to be. God had led him to this particular place for this particular reason. You know, it was near this very spot that years earlier, Abraham had built an altar unto the Lord. Uh, go back to Genesis chapter 12 with me. <clears throat> In Genesis 12. Genesis 12 verse 8, it says, And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and high on the east, and there he built an altar unto the Lord, and he called upon the name of the Lord. And if you go to chapter 13, verse 3, it says, And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, under the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and High, under the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And so this was a place of uh, spiritual significance for his grandfather, Abraham. Okay, Abraham had met with the Lord here. Abraham had uh, built this altar and sacrificed to God. It was a place of spiritual significance. And it was about to become a place of spiritual significance for Jacob as well. Because you see, it was here in this place that God would reveal himself personally unto Jacob. And he would give Jacob some wonderful blessings, some wonderful promises in this place. And so we want to consider this event before us this morning and as we do we see that there's three significant things that take place three significant things and the first one is a significant dream there's a significant dream let's just read it again verse 10 so then jacob went out from beersheba and went toward haran and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set and he took up the stones of that place and he, uh, put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep and he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. So Jacob arrives in this place, Bethel, and he tarries there for the night. And we're, we're told in verse 11 that he takes stones and he, he sets them for his pillows or his headpiece. And he lays down to sleep. And as he lays there in this place, we're told that he dreams this dream and that the Lord in the dream reveals himself unto Jacob. You know, Jacob, he'd known God all of his life. You know, he'd known the Lord. He'd believed in the Lord. He believed the, the promises of God, of God practically all of his life. He'd grown up worshipping the Lord. And no doubt frequently praying unto the Lord. You know, the chapters before this, we've, we've already considered the fact that he was a spiritually minded man. He was concerned about the spiritual things. That's what drove him. But despite his earnest for the Lord and his earnest for spiritual things, Jacob had never had a personal experience like this. The Lord had never spoken directly to him. 
You know, God had spoken to Abraham, his grandfather, and God had spoken to his father Isaac before him. But as of yet, Jacob hadn't had this same experience. But now all of that changes. As he lays down and he sleeps in this place, and the Lord appears to him here in this dream, and God speaks to him. You know, before we consider the words that the Lord actually speaks to him, let's first consider what he sees in this dream. Because it is significant, isn't it? What he sees. You know, verse 12 here tells us that as he dreams, he sees a mighty ladder or a a staircase, if you like, reaching from earth up into heaven itself. Let's just read it again, verse 12. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. It's an incredible vision, isn't it? As he dreams, he, he sees this ladder reaching from heaven down to earth, and he sees these angels ascending and descending upon the ladder, going up and down, going back and forth from heaven to earth. It's an incredible vision, and it's one that we probably all know well. We know of Jacob's ladder. But what exactly does it all mean? What's this vision mean that he sees here? But what it showed to Jacob, and what it shows to us, is the interrelationships of heaven and earth. The interrelationships of heaven and earth. Now, the commentator Morris writes this. He says, It showed there was intense interest in heaven concerning what took place on earth, with multitudes of mighty ministers of God coming down to earth to carry out God's commands, then returning to report concerning the earth and to receive further instructions. It demonstrates that that God is interested in what takes place on earth, and his angels are going back and forth. They're going down to carry out his will and coming back to report to Uh, to God. Spurgeon, likewise, he wrote this, the God of Bethel is a God who does concern himself with the things of earth. Not a God who shuts himself up in heaven, but God who hath fixed, uh, sorry, who hath a ladder fixed between heaven and earth. And so Spurgeon speaks about the same idea, the fact that it shows us that God is actually concerned with earth, concerned with what takes place on earth. He's not just shut up in heaven and, and ignoring us and ignoring the earth. God is concerned. Indeed, this is an amazing vision that Jacob has, and, and no doubt it's one that would have thrilled his soul. I mean, imagine dreaming this during the night and seeing this incredible thing. We all would have been excited by it. You know, God reveals to him his care, his concern for what takes place on earth, but in particular, he reveals to him his care and concern for his servants. Now, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 tells us that the main function of these angels is to minister to God's people. Just go to Hebrews 1. (coughs) Hebrews 1, verse 14, it says, Are they not all ministering spirits? sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. These ministering spirits are going back and forth and their primary purpose is to minister to God's people, minister for God's people. And it's this care, this concern of God's people that's revealed to Jacob here. And not only that, but this ladder revealed to Jacob in type the access that would one day exist between uh, four men into the heavens. 
Okay, it revealed to him in type the access that would exist for man into the heavens. You know, we know Adam's sin caused a great gulf, didn't it, between God and man. The great gulf between God and man, between heaven and earth, it separated us from God. But the vision here revealed to Jacob that there was indeed a bridge, if you like. A bridge between heaven and earth by which man could be brought to God. And that bridge, that ladder, could only be built by God himself, and indeed it is God himself. See, in the New Testament, John chapter 1, verse 51, Christ declares that he is the means of access into the heaven. Let's just turn there, John chapter 1. John 1 and verse 51, the Lord said this, and he, hath, and he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Lord Jesus Christ here claimed to be Jacob's ladder. He claimed to be Jacob's ladder. He says, hereafter you'll see angels of God ascending and descending upon who? The Son of Man. Christ says, I'm the ladder. He declares that he is Jacob's ladder. He is the means by which one, by which one can go from earth to heaven. It's through him. He is the way. He is the mediator between God and man. Morris writes this. He says, Jacob may not have understood the full New Testament import of his remarkable dream, but he surely could understand that there was communication between man and God and that God would provide the means by which man could be restored to God. You know, Jacob couldn't fully understand his dream, but we can. We can see the full import of this remarkable dream, a, a vision of Christ and the way by which we enter into the heavens. You know, this truly was a remarkable dream. And, and for Jacob personally, it showed him beyond any shadow of a doubt that God cared for him. You know, that God was interested in his life, that God was active in making sure that his promises were fulfilled. You know, as if the vision of the latter was not enough, the Lord now goes on and speaks personally unto Jacob. And that's the second point here. We see a significant declaration. A significant declaration. Let's go back to Genesis 28 and verse 13. Genesis 28, verse 13. It says, And behold, the Lord stood above it, and said, I am the Lord God of J Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south, and in thee, and in thy seed, shall all families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Now as Jacob now looks to the top of this ladder, he sees God himself. He sees God himself and he hears the Lord now speak these wonderful words of blessing and promise unto him. As I said earlier, this is the very first time that Jacob has heard the Lord personally speak to him. And it's interesting, well, I think it's interesting, it's interesting that we don't find the Lord here, this very first time he speaks to him, 
We don't find the Lord rebuking Jacob, do we? For his actions in the, the previous chapter. His actions towards his brother and towards his father. We don't find the Lord rebuking him. If the Lord was going to rebuke him, now's the time to do it. Because he speaks to him personally. But no, the Lord doesn't rebuke him. What we find is that the Lord here speaks words of blessing and promise. Wonderful words of blessing and promise. God declares to Jacob here the very same promises that he had made to his grandfather Abraham and to his father Isaac before him. In verse 13, the Lord declares that he will give to Jacob the land upon which he was lying. And indeed, he would give it to his seed after him. Let's just read verse 13. It says, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. The Lord promises that the land will be his. God declares that Jacob would inherit the promised land, the land of Canaan. But not only that, the Lord goes on to declare that he will multiply Jacob's seed and that through him all the world will be blessed. Look in verse 14. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all families of the earth be blessed. Those words sound familiar? They should. These are the very same words that God has spoken to Abraham. Back in chapter 12, let's go there and read it. Chapter 12. Just read from verse 2, chapter 12. I will start in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy kindred, thy country, and from thy kindred, from the father's house to a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Those same words, in thee. In thy seed shall all families of the earth be blessed. Chapter 13 as well. <clears throat> Chapter 13, verse 16. Similar words again. The Lord says, And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. The same idea that the Lord speaks here to Jacob. He says, I will bless, uh, bless thee, I will increase your seed. It will be as the dust of the earth, effectively, to the east, to the north, to the south, to the west. And the Lord says also there, he says, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. It's the same promise that God had made with Abraham, his, father, uh, his grandfather. And it's also the same promise that God had spoken to Isaac. Go to chapter 26 with me. <clears throat> Chapter 26 and verse 3. It says, Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. It's the same words again, spoken to Isaac. You see, with these words here in chapter 28, these words that God speaks to Jacob, with these words, God is confirming to Jacob that he is in the promised line, that it goes from Abraham to Isaac and it goes through Jacob. God is confirming this truth to him. It's through him 
that all nations of the earth will be blessed. It's through him the Messiah will come. It's through his seed that the nations will be blessed, that we have been blessed. Now, these are some wonderful, exciting words for Jacob to hear, aren't they? They really are. They're exciting words. You know, before this, he had heard his father tell him that the covenant blessings belong to him. You know, he'd heard his father say that. But how much more special is it to hear it from God himself? How much better is it to hear God himself confirm these covenant promises with him? And then the Lord goes on to give Jacob uh, the personal assurance that he'll be with him in whatever he faced. Look in verse 15. It says, And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. You know, the Lord goes on and he says there at the start of verse 15, he says, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. That's pretty special, isn't it? He's given him these covenant promises. He says, you are the, the ones for whom these promises will be fulfilled. It's through thy seed. And then he says, and Jacob, know that I'm with you. It's a personal assurance, isn't it? He says, I'm with you and I'll bring you back. Just think of the comfort these words must have been for Jacob to hear at this time. Now, here he is. He's alone. He's left his home. He's set out on this long journey to Haran. It's a dangerous journey. There's, there's no one with him to help him, no one with him to protect him. And God declares that he is with him wherever he goes. You know, he didn't need man, did he? He had God. He had the Lord with him. And at the end of verse 15, the Lord promises that he will not leave him until he has fulfilled his words unto him. The end of verse 15 there. It says, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. These are wonderful words of assurance for Jacob to hear. Now, he's about to leave the land of Canaan. He's still in the land of Canaan right now as he meets with the Lord. But he's about to leave the land of Canaan. He's about to head east, back to Haran. And God here promises to protect him on this journey. And God says, and I will bring you back. I'll bring you safely back to this land. In my perfect timing to fulfill my words unto you. You see, no matter what happened from that day forward, Jacob had this promise, didn't he? Pretty special. He had this promise, this assurance from God that God would accomplish his will in and through him. Nothing would stand in the way of God keeping those promises. You see, Jacob, he learned that God was interested in him personally. God was at work in his life. And from that night on, Jacob knew he had nothing to fear as he trusted the Lord and as he sought to do God's will. Now, as I thought about this this week and when I was preparing it before I went away to prepare this sermon, you know, as I was thinking about it, you know, we have been given similar promises, haven't we, in the New Testament? Similar promises to what Jacob received here. Promises that we can claim as our own and we can stand upon confidently in faith as believers. You know, we know the promise of Hebrews 13 verse 5, don't we? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Very similar words, isn't it? God promises not to leave us, to not forsake us. You see, like Jacob, God has said he will be with us. He is with us. And because he is with us, we have nothing to fear, do we? Now, here is 13 verse 6. The very next verse goes on. It says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. 
and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. See, the Lord's with us. He will not forsake us, and so we have nothing to fear. Indeed, with Him we can stand with boldness, trusting in the Lord, knowing that He is our helper, knowing that He is with us wherever He leads us. You know, we also have the promise of Philippians 1 verse 6, where the Lord says that He will complete the good work that He has begun in us. Let's just turn there, Philippians 1. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The Lord will complete the good work that he has begun in us. Now, just as God said to Jacob, he said, I won't leave you until I have completed this work with you. God promises the same thing to us. He says, I won't leave you and I will complete the good work that I've begun in and through you. If you like Jacob, we can be sure that God is interested in us. In us personally, individually. God's interested in my life. He's interested in your life. And he is at work in our life as we trust him and as we seek to walk in obedience to him. That brings us to our third point this morning. We've seen now a significant decision. We've seen a significant dream, a significant declaration, and we see thirdly now a significant Decision. Go back with me to Genesis 28. <clears throat> and let's just read from verse 16. So Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar. And poured all upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. For the name of that city was called Luzah the first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, If God be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillow shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Now, having heard these wonderful words from the Lord, seen this vision, he heard these words. You know, Jacob now has a decision to make, doesn't he? His, his part in all this is to respond. How is he going to respond to what the Lord has revealed unto him? In verse 16 and 17, we see that first of all, his response is one of fear and surprise. Let's read again verse 16. It says, And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid. And said, how dreadful is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Now his first response is one of fear and surprise. Jacob is filled with reverential fear of God. Reverential fear that he has actually met with the Lord in this place. You see, this was something that he was not expecting. Now he says in verse 16 there, he says, surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. He wasn't expecting this. Now, this doesn't mean that Jacob didn't understand the truth that God is everywhere. Okay, He's not saying, oh, I didn't know that God could be everywhere and I wasn't expecting to find him here. It's not what he means. Rather, it's, it's him saying he didn't expect to meet with God in this place. 
so far removed from his father's tent. He wasn't expecting a meeting with God here, of all places. Uh, Barnes writes this, He did not expect a special manifestation of the Lord in this place, far from the sanctuaries of his father. He is filled with solemn awe when he finds himself in the house of God and at the gate of heaven. You see, he didn't expect a meeting with the Lord in this place. And so he is filled with solemn awe. He fears God, reverential fear. And this is a right response, isn't it? You know, Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom. Fear is always a right response when it's reverential fear of God. It's always the right response to, to meeting the Lord, the right response before God. Reverential fear. Reverence before Him. But following this initial response, we see that Jacob then worships the Lord. In verse 18, it says, And Jacob rose up <coughs> early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, for the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And so he, he fears the Lord, he's filled with reverential fear, and then he, secondly, he worships the Lord. He worships he takes the stone that he'd use as a pillar, a uh, pillow, sorry, as a headpiece, and he, he sets it up for a pillar there in that place. And the idea is that he sets it up as a memorial unto the Lord. Uh, to remember this meeting. He doesn't want to ever forget this place. He wants to remember this meeting place. And he takes oil and he pours it upon the top of the stone. He's consecrating uh, this place unto the Lord. In verse 19, we see he also gives this place a new name. This is verse 19. He called the name of that place Bethel. The name of the city, uh, sorry, the name of that city was called Luz at the first. He gives it the name Bethel, the house of God. You see, this was now a place of spiritual significance for Jacob, wasn't it? Just like it was for his grandfather, it's now a special place for him. And so he sets up this memorial. He worships the Lord and he gives it a new name in remembrance of this meeting with the Lord. And then finally, we see that most importantly, Jacob responds by dedicating himself unto the Lord. We see that in verse 20. Then Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. This, and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. And so Jacob responded with reverential fear. He, he worships the Lord. And then we see that Jacob claims the promises of God as his own. He claims these promises that God has made to him. He claims them as, he, as his own. He believes them by faith and he dedicates himself unto the Lord. Now, the wording here in verse 20 would seem to suggest to us at first reading that he's actually bargaining with God. You know, verse 20, it says, And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God be with me and will keep me in this way that I go. It sounds like he's bargaining with God, doesn't it? You know, he says, If you do this, God, then I will serve you. Then you will be my God. You know, the word translated if here can also be translated since. And if we translate it since, it changes the whole reading, doesn't it? And Jacob vowed a vow saying, since God will be with me, 
and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall God, the Lord be my God. Changes the whole meaning, doesn't it? Since God shall be with me. He believes this. He accepts by faith these words from the Lord and he says, since you're going to be with me, I place my faith in you. You will be my God. I'll trust in you. You see, we see his faith. Jacob is not bargaining with the Lord here. Jacob is affirming his faith in the Lord. Since God had promised to be with him, since God had promised to care for him, Jacob vows a vow to give himself wholeheartedly unto the Lord. And not only that, but he vows here to give God a tenth of everything that God gives him. We see at the end of verse 22, don't we? He says, And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. This is a wonderful expression of faith, isn't it? At this time, Jacob has nothing. He has nothing. He's on his own. He's got whatever he can carry. Maybe he's got one camel with him. He's got nothing. But he believes God's promises to keep him. He believes God's promises to multiply his seed. He believes God's promise to bring him back into the land. And so in faith, he says, God, I'll give you a tenth of everything you give me. He's expressing his faith here in God, in God's promises. You see, Jacob's response here to the promises of the Lord is a wonderful example, isn't it? To all of us of how we should respond to God's goodness and to God's wonderful promises towards us as believers. You see, like Jacob, we ought to respond with reverential fear. We ought to respond by worshipping him and with wholehearted devotion unto the Lord, dedicating our lives, dedicating everything that we are, everything he gives us back unto him. Isn't that what Romans 12 verse 1 says? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. That's, that's what God desires from us. When we consider all he's done for us, all he is doing for us, how else can we respond but with reverential fear, worshipping his holy name and dedicating ourselves fully under him, saying, Lord, here's my life, take and use it to your glory. That's what we see Jacob do here. And we'll see how the Lord uses him going forward from this place. Let's close this morning in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. We thank you once again uh, for Jacob. We thank you, Lord, for his response to this vision. Lord, his fear and his uh, worshipping of you. And Lord, dedicating himself unto you. Lord, may we respond in the same way. Lord, you've given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Lord, you've promised, just like you did to Jacob, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. You've promised, Lord, that you will complete the work you've begun in us. Lord, may you help us this morning to respond with fear, with worship, and Lord, by giving ourselves wholeheartedly unto you. Lord, bless as we close and bless our morning tea, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.